the titles write themselves. <laughs> That's right. We we were before we were recording. I was talking about a place which which I will not name because I do not I no do not want to insult them. I was saying you know just did no reason to go there. Matt Ray posited that it's fun. And I said, Oh, well, maybe that's my problem. I just don't like fun, which I think, uh, <laughs> I think is, is pretty solid. I don't like fun that involves other people. That's, that's where, where I am. I like only professionalism. Mm. Uh, for some reason, I don't know how this happened, but we've started turning on the, uh, the videos. As always, I'm the last standout or stand back. Is that what's the phrasing? Oh, hold about? out, hold, hold out, you're the hold out. Yeah, you're, you're you're the first standout. Yeah, <laughs> like people are like, wow. Is that is that when you're that like out. you're like at a uh, like at a police station lineup and you're the first one that has to stand forward <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and be and be like, get, get, give me a fucking keys, you cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna go there too in English, please. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah uh anyways yeah yeah don't don't like fun but i, I was did, did i mean i was where was my mom came here for a visit this month and uh uh i was at skip hole here's here's my recommendation when you're at skip hole uh which is the amsterdam airport airport uh there's a great place right next to the giant uh, the toy the toy store that has the giant landing gear of a klm aircraft uh, and they've got really good fries there. And I took a video. They have this machine. They have one of the a kebab. It's it's like kebab and fries. You can probably get. Have I got over what I? I've never had one of these. I think in Rotterdam you get this. It's the uh, the barber shop kebab, and or the barber kebab, which is basically French fries covered in kebab meat, covered in like brown gravy. So named because a barber in the seventies, I'm told, was busy and he was like, go to go over there to the kebab shop. And tell them to make this. And then it became known for that. This, this is part of my theory that I think in Europe, every country, if not regions in the country, has a type of like kebab. Like I think, I think it's all, it's this kind of a regional specialty for it. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, anyways, you go over there to the, the place by the toy store. They've got excellent fries. And despite having lived here today is actually the year. Uh, it's a year that we've lived here. I actually very rarely get the like fry in a cup thing, you know, where they spurt a bunch of uh, sauce on top of it. It doesn't happen that often. And uh, here, of course, at the airport, they have fries in a fries in a cone. And I was getting the fries. I got a large because I like the fries, and because I was going to ostensibly share them with my children. Um, and I and I said, "Oh, could I could I get? You have to pay for sauce." So I forgot that. And she's like, "Well, don't you want any sauce?" Except she said it in a nice way. Um, and I said, yes, I would like, I would like, uh, some, some mayonnaise and ketchup. And could I have it? And then she completed my sentence as if everyone requests this on the side. She on said, side. yes, on the <laughs> side. I do not want, like, this is, this is perhaps here's how I'm going to complain today about Europe is like, who puts, who puts sauce on top of fries? <laughs> like, like I understand the utility of it. Right. Like we got a, we got a bunch of drunk people or whatnots or people, barbers who are busy. And they don't have room for a separate container or something, so you just spurt it right out there on the fries. But it's just like, for someone who obsesses about making sure that the ingredients in a taco are evenly distributed for each bite and or on a sandwich, <laughs> you can imagine that this situation with fries drives me bananas. It's just, it, oh, God. I don't know. This is some sort of cultural thing I just, I don't get. I don't know what's going on. But it d doesn't it depend a little bit on the topping? Like, what if it was cheese fries? 
Oh, you got me there. Well, now, now I, I like, I like where you're going. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull a, a Tex-Mex thing here. Nachos. Yes. See, now this is, there's two, two styles of nachos as far as I know. There might be a third. One is, I feel like this is, well, this is how we would make them at home. This is how I was raised eating nachos. And it's, it's incredibly, it's incredibly artisanal, uh, and handcrafted. You take each nacho, and you put beans and cheese on each nacho, and then you put that into the oven. Put them on a baking pan. Yeah, yeah, and then and then you cook it that way. I don't know what you're gonna put it at. Three fifty, something like that. That's that's <laughs> Fahrenheit. I don't know what that. That's like that's like two twenty Celsius or some some bullshit. Uh, and um, you know, however, I remember when I was uh, with my first girlfriend. She, by way of going to El Mercado, a restaurant chain in Austin, I never frequented before uh, being with her. Uh, we would go to El Mercado and they did the other style where they have a pile of chips and, and it's as if some sort of like drunken, uh, World War One dive bomber flew over this pile of chips and just kind of like dropped a bunch of cheese and beans on top of it. And Makes so, me hungry. yeah, yeah. And now, now the, I think, I think what, see that, that style of nacho also drives me crazy because I'm constantly battling with the, the idea that like, so we've got about, We've got about a two inch stack. If you imagine a hill at, at its height is about two inches and it goes down of chips and then all the toppings are on top. Now your problem is going to be you're just going to eat all that stuff on top with the chip and then you're left over with all these chips with nothing left to do with it. Maybe you could put it in salsa. So you got to like, I was going to say, <laughs> I know. So you got to like, but the, but then the thing, of course, that happens is you've already had chips and salsa before they brought the nachos because they just bring those chips and salsa like, you know, without you even asking. And uh, so with the second style of nachos, it's kind of like the sauce on the fries where it's just like, now I've got, I want, I just wanted to have a meal and now I have a problem to solve. Right. (laughs) (laughs) A problem to solve. That's awesome. So, so so do you ever, do you ever like, uh, I wish you could get those like little bento plates that they have uh, at Japanese places, so all your food is perfectly separated. <laughs> and the like, food's you know, touching. I'm a military man. Food. I like a military meal. <laughs> and, and then and then you can like just take a bite and order. You can be like one, two, three, four, five. Oh, one, two, three, four. Five. That would be nice. Like, that would be nice. <laughs> I think I think this, so far this has been a great therapy session for me. I think I'm realizing some, th- some things because you know I'm just missing nachos. That's all I know. Oh man, nachos. <laughs> Chips. You know, you know, there actually is a pretty good, uh, you know, there is a place that you can get okay nachos uh, here just up the street that we went to. They have a little brewery there, too. But, you know, the, you know, going back to nachos, the, the other the other pro tip with nachos is at some point, maybe this is about 10 minutes into your nacho odyssey, the nachos are going to get a little soggy. And at that point, you can just get a fork and a knife and you don't eat it with a fork. You can actually fashion a nacho out of the nachos. Just to blow your mm. mind. That's kind of yeah. like the Natural opposite of the happens. Homer spoon, where there was a spoon carved out of a smaller spoon. It's like a spoon carved up from a small spoon. But you can cut like a nacho aggregate, and uh, next thing you know, that's that's the way to go right there. And by that time, all the seasoning, <laughs> has, all the juice has flown down into the nacho goop, and uh, oh, you're man. off to the races. I'm starving. I, I, I'm going <laughs> yeah. to need to pause the show. I gotta, yeah. <laughs> I gotta get the chewies. Yeah, like, yeah, that's the difference though. Like Brandon's like, I'll be there in like fifteen minutes. I'll be like, I'll be there in twenty three hours. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got. I got. I got. I got. Was I, there's there's another place up the street uh, that has something called nachos, and uh, it's 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 really good. And then they put something that they call I think chipotle salsa on it, which is basically spicy ketchup. And I just Ooh. I just feel like you know in 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 what world do you have this this plate of nachos and you're like I got it. You know what? Well, I mean, I I know what world it is, but like the moment you're like squeezing something on on the nachos, some something is going wrong. I it, it just yeah, that's just how I it, feel. It, it could be like you know nachos on the Louisiana border, and they'll be like, "All right, we got like seven hot sauces for you." And like these are all the wrong hot sauces. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Oh yeah. Well, speaking of nachos, more earnings this week. But I, I think I think and, and also uh, our old friend Datadog looks like they're going to IPO. There was there was a uh, there was a fun discussion uh, in in the Software Defined Talk Slack channel, and by discussion I mean maybe 180 words about the difference between Dynatrace and Datadog. And my takeaway, fellas, from this discussion was agent versus agentless still a thing, which which Ooh. I think I think is uh, I think that's great. It makes me feel Funny. young again. My my exact take. It, it's funny how it, that never changes. Twenty years have gone by. Uh-huh. Same conversation, and maybe it was happening twenty. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. yep. There was uh, uh, you know that that kind of meme going around on Twitter about you know, person talking to their therapist and like, what do we do when we're feeling down? And they're like, you know, start a blah blah blah. Oh yeah. Did <laughs> I uh, saw that uh, a friend of the show Dave Chain was like, start a monitoring company. I was like, oh. <laughs> What 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 is what is that mean? Maybe instead of geographic, when we get a third ad, we should have instead of in addition to geographic oddity, we should have nerd meme of the week, where, oh, where that is. that gets explained. Or or what would we call it? We would call it like I a, a sysop meme. Is that good? No one says sysop anymore, right? So Nobody that's funny. Says sysops. Yeah, it yeah. would it would be it would be sysops meme corner. I think <laughs> SMC. But yeah, is that yeah, is that uh, where does this meme come from? Is there anything we're saying about yeah. it? Uh, I wasn't real. Yeah, um, <laughs> you weren't prepared. Sounds like for something. This. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. I didn't know there'd be. I didn't. No know nachos be a quiz. for you. <laughs> you well, you was, get nacho I, squirted out of a of, of a bottle. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that one had had lost its legs, but it keeps coming back. Yeah, yeah. I like that one. But I think on the data dog thing, back to that, it's like it is interesting to me that. You know when these monitoring companies break out. So it's interesting that they got to the point they're going to, you know, actually, you know, file for an IPO. Because I remember I was working on another company about the same time Datadog got started. We were also doing some kind of monitoring, and you know, I remember us being very dismissive. You know, just the typical, oh, they're just doing the same old thing, right? It's just pulling the same statistics. Yeah. And uh, but clearly, you know, they've done well, and I think this is kind of back to like. It's never clear to me why certain monitoring companies break out and certain monitoring companies stagnate. I mean, it's almost like bands, right? Because so much of the data is the same. So, as, I mean, probably like a band. It's all about timing and having just just a slightly different take on it. Uh, so, I don't know. I guess congratulations, congratulations to them more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we did we mention this last week. I, I forget, but like uh, you know, I, I maybe it's just because I know them from uh, uh, DevOps days originally. And, and then, of course, that fantastic series of ads they did at some point. But uh, I, I always think of them as like, you know, a little cute company, you know, with a dog. Not, but now now they're all like, you know, big IPO company. Data, yep. data kennel. Big, big outfit there. 
all those little companies, you know, you get there and they're like, oh, yeah, we've got like 1,400 employees. You're like, really? Here's here's <laughs> here's, here's what I want to know. Here's the predictions. Okay, so in the financial analyst community, are they going to actually start a uh, uh, an index fund of monitoring companies? <laughs> Or at least systems management. You got you get you have your service now. You could have a new relic. Get a data dog in there. See what else might you get. You might get a slice of we well BMC's private. You got a microfocus maybe? No. Compuware. I mean, is Compuware? Like I, I, I think you could throw I mean, something in there. Get solar winds in there. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Solar winds. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got a whole I mean, But what wouldn't the problem be like with the index funds is most of these companies don't last more than like two two years mm. uh, being but, public. You know, high growth, high risk, high growth. That, that's uh, <laughs> this is going to be in your Spartan Five, not your Spartan uh, yeah. Forty. So, so this is the point where we put the disclaimer where we're like, never listen to us for investing information. <laughs> no, 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 no. The only investment you should make is sending all your money to me, and uh, re- returns not guaranteed. Don't even know what a return not is. Guaranteed. Well, I think we all have. I mean, I feel like I have worked at multiple companies that weren't the one that was the big winner, right? Mm. I feel like I've been close to it. And everyone, and then everyone gets excited because they see like a peer, like, oh, well, we're gonna we're gonna be worth that. And then it, no, it does, that doesn't really happen. That mm. doesn't always happen that way. So yeah, yeah. But so I do it, think you know it, it does remind me of just like I always come back to logging, monitoring, access management. Like it just feels like it's just a circle, a cycle that just goes over and over. Companies just constantly being started, sold, IPO'd, repeat, right? And it's just, it, it seems like there's just an insatiable demand for either people starting those companies and then people wanting to work at those companies and then ultimately someone buying them or in, in this case, some of them going IPO. Yeah. And a lot of them are like the same people over and over again. Yeah. yeah but that's also, yep. Yeah, that's, it's also interesting. So that, like that that's how you, you figure out like, well, this guy sold out, you know, this guy sold a company. I'm sure the second one's going to be successful too, right? Have we yeah. learned that? Yeah. <laughs> they, they got Again, all the ropes. Have, have evidence to the contrary on that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was, I was working on, I've been working on, uh, you know, another, another book or as more than likely as the OLA people call it a report, but you know, one of these other little things here now, and, and I'm trying the angle I'm, I'm going for is, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we're, we've been figuring stuff out in IT, but these business people, they don't show up to the party. So we're fucked, right? Like they keep talking about how they want the digital transformation and stuff. But every time I look around, there's no business people in the room. And, uh, if you don't get these business people coming there and telling you what they actually want you to do with your DevOps pipe holes, then like, it's just, you know, who cares, right? Like it's, like- it's not. Business waterfall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, n- you're not going to have your digital transformation if there's no uh, business involved. So anyways, I was I was kind of playing around with writing up a section of like, so from a strategy level, like you need some way of like sensing when you should do something, of, of telling when you should uh, do something on. And I found myself – do something on. What does that mean? Uh, and I found myself writing up uh, like sort of like the history of, of public cloud and the tech industry. And how that was sort of like perceived and ignored versus things, and you know, kind of comparing it with. Uh, uh, I'll have to find uh, my link to this, but way back when, uh, when when around 2010 or 2008 or so, remember uh, old Horace Deju would make these charts that would show like like Microsoft market share, and then all of a sudden it would go down here, and this space was filled in by like Android and Apple, and his whole point was like. 
Well, what happened here is that the PC manufacturers didn't realize that the the definition of their market had changed, and then he would never say this. They were fucked, right? And so, like, that's sort of like if you're worried... I was playing around with this idea that if you're worried about your market being disrupted by, like, Instagram insurance sellers, what you have to do is, like, be on the lookout for your market always being redefined and figure out, like, when you should jump in it. But anyways, that's just a long way of going to it. It was make me, uh, making me... Uh, what's a negative version of reminisce? Like sort of like <laughs> wicked winsomeness. It was it was making me you know ramble. I think it would be ramble. Yeah, that's right. Uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> rambling. Yeah, it was making me mental ramble through like all the all the time I spent like um I don't know theoretically telling people like hey this public cloud thing it's probably a big deal and like yeah the. Uh, and and as I was sitting typing, I was kind of remembering all of the explanations of, like, why it was not to be worried about. And so y'all going over <laughs> monitoring reminds me of that in the sense of, like, uh, it, it, is, it is, like, like I, guess, I guess, as you were just saying, picking the exact, like, companies that would be successful would sort of be impossible at the time. But just, like, intuitively, there's this pattern that you know that, like, yeah... There, there's going to be like a changing of the guards with monitoring, and it's also kind of going to be the same. But then, like, no one really takes seems to take that seriously. Like in the same way that no one was like, "Oh, well, this public cloud thing—that's nonsense." No, yeah, no one's I mean, going to like that. There's probably some you know German word for you know Cassandra historical reminiscing. Mm. <laughs> now, now, funny but, you should say that. That was the next section I was writing out is another way <laughs> you can figure out when you need to do something. Uh, you can kind of figure out the strategy you need to do is to listen to Cassandra's, to like find right. Cassandra's. And like I was saying, like uh, uh, Mary Meeker's a good Cassandra, right? Like she's just constantly like telling you some some like big disruption is going to happen. And she's pretty systematic about it. I was saying, you know, you should consider Cassandra's that have like footnotes and year over year charts. They're they're generally well informed. I, I want my yeah, I want my well documented Cassandra's with a with yeah. a considerable bibliography. But I mean but the problem is like most of those companies are on a fairly short cycle, right? They're thinking ahead, you know, six months, nine months, one year. And being able to build up the the investment to make a multi-year, you know, change, if you will, that doesn't happen unless, you know, unless, unless, uh, you know, you have the power to, you know, to actually swing a whole lot of people at it. And what I'd like to think about is like, who are the, uh, who, who are the people who like went in and failed, mm. <laughs> you know, or like who, who swung big, but uh, like still wasn't big enough. Yeah. Right. That, Write that in your, your, yeah, your report. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a good sort of like a case study to look at. And it, like, I I need to go back and read this for the third or fourth time. But there's a good write up of sort of like the uh, the whipping whipping boy. I guess I guess it's cool not to uh, ungender that because really, like, who you know who let the boys get whipped instead of everyone else. But like, <laughs> let you know the the whipping the whipping person of. Um, what would you call it? Uh, the whipping person of like disruption is like blockbuster and it's, it's kind of in Kodak and things like this. And it's almost an interesting write up of sort of like, yeah, I mean, they kind of knew what was going on and it was a little more nuanced and difficult than, uh, than, than what you would assume. It wasn't just that they were just like dumb. It was just like more complicated, which I'm sure is the case. But you know, if you 
have a, a, a let's call it an IT estate, a bunch of servers, computers. You might even have some sort of Internet of Things thing that's on your IPv6. I don't really know what that means. Hey, Matt Ray, you probably know. Does <laughs> does IPv6 have colons instead of periods in the IP address? Is that what it is? It, it definitely has some colons. Okay. Big, big. What they did, they were like, you know what we're going to do? How about we take that little dot and we put another dot on top? And then boom, <laughs> it's RFC IPv6. All, all set. But let's say you got a, you got a big, uh, big network of things that you need to worry about and manage. It's obtuse. It's really weird. Like what, what's something you might use to kind of like check out all the nonsense that these things are spitting out? Well, well, I'm sure, I'm sure they like to think of, of their, their, their computer spitting out nonsense as, uh, important stuff. So, so this episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their APM tools, Logly. Uh, when there's a service disruption, seconds matter. Don't waste time looking for logs or coming through endless screens of events. Let SolarWinds Logly aggregate, manage, and analyze all your log data so you quickly spot issues, jump to the relevant event messages, and identify the root cause. And the Logly in-context integrations with SolarWinds AppOptics adds rich performance instrumentation and distributed tracing to further accelerate identification of root cause and significantly reduce MTTR. MTTR. <laughs> Spend less time troubleshooting and more time innovating with context in your logs. Logly scalable cloud-based management that won't break the bank. Plus, Software Defined Talk listeners get a special 20% off your first year of Logly from now until September 30th. Offer for new customers only. To try it for free for 14 days, go to httploglycom slash SDT. Uh, if it logs, it can log to Logly. Now, l- listen, just to be clear... The nonsense was the logs that it's making sense of, not the not the sense being made <laughs> up. You got all these you got all these things with colons in their name, uh, spitting out nonsense that you've got to un nonsense. Clear, clearly, yeah, they're gonna un un nonsense your nonsense. That's right. <laughs> Put that on a license plate. These European <laughs> license plates are long enough. You might be able to s- stick it on there. Well, listen, as as we like to do each week, which is to say, this is the third time. Uh, before we tell you about another uh, fantastic thing you should try out, uh, I want to go over a geographic oddity. Now, this geographic oddity is a bit of a uh, some feedback from a previous episode, which I have not done well to prepare, so it'll be a brief geographic oddity. I was wondering last episode, I was I was positing that perhaps way back when, in the era of the Gauls and like uh, Red Bad and things like that, that uh, the Netherlands were basically a swamp that had been reclaimed and drained hence hence being called the lowlands and i wondered uh are there any other swamps in europe and one of our valued listeners who lives in italy uh he told me that uh, actually large parts of italy used to be a swamp and they were drained in the late 1800s or early 1900s and then uh, so you know swamps in italy but then the the fun twist that he put on that i have not researched or fact checked is that the fascists uh <laughs> tried to take a lot of credit for it but they really had not uh, done much of the work for uh swamp draining so two things we know that are not true about uh, italian fascist one trains did not run on time two did not start the swamp draining projects wait so, wait wait you're saying someone in charge did not drain the swamps yeah, that's right. oh, oh, wow. that's good that's good uh-huh yeah, yeah. <laughs> there there was there was a big scandal and they're like you know what we should do we should probably go try to take over north africa 
and uh, and then Europe. Yeah, they're like, just look over here, uh, land war in another continent. Yeah. <laughs> now, now speaking of fact checks, here's another thing. Maybe for our next geographic oddity is uh, n- now Germany didn't really have many colonies, right? As they did. They, like what colonies did they have? Uh, they had a bunch of stuff, um, like over in you know my side of the planet. They had a bunch of little islands and stuff. No, little and, islands that doesn't count though. Well, they're colonies. They're colonies. Um, and then like right at the end of World War One, like you know with days to spare, Japan's like we declare war on Germany, and they took all their islands. <laughs> oh, okay, so so they they had the thing where like you know there was as you say there was a bunch of little islands. I don't I don't mean to be dismissive of little islands, but it's sort of like you know uh, versus. Australia, right? Like that that's that's a pretty significant holding. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. <laughs> or or you know, you know, Canada and and, yeah, and yeah. so forth and so on. But yeah, okay. All right, just checking. Just checking. Uh well, so you know, let's say let's say uh here you are. You've got some gigantic empire and uh maybe <laughs> maybe you're operating on some sort of cyberpunk mechanism. You don't really know what's going on, but no matter what the era, no matter what side of colonialism you're on, you're going to be using some sort of user interface, a UI. And uh, the problem is going to be, you know, sometimes it works well, sometimes it doesn't. You're like, you're, you open up a text field, you're trying to type in, does Germany have colonies? And it's just not giving you those, those, uh, those auto suggestions. Is there, is there some kind of tool you might use to figure out what's going wrong with that? There is. This episode is sponsored by Trex. Track JS. And guess what? You have logs about what happens on your servers, in your clouds, and across your networks. But what about the end users' browsers? For better or worse, everything is put together with JavaScript in the UI. Do you know when it breaks? Track JS error monitoring for JavaScript quickly integrates with your front end, regardless of framework. So you know when problems impact your users. TrackJS installs in minutes and provides context about what the user, network, and application were doing leading up to errors. It's like having an airplane's black box in your UI, so you can find, recreate, and fix problems fast. TrackJS is an engineer-owned cloud service that gives you visibility to client-side issues. Try it for free today at trackjs.com slash sdt. And of course, we thank them for being such a great sponsor and make sure to tell them your friends at Software Defined Talk sent you. That's right. And another fine series of, uh, of, of, you know, front and back ads. Mullet fun. Love it. <laughs> so uh, also, you know, uh, I think coincidentally, well, I don't know if it's coincidentally, but I believe there were sort of like three data breach things this week. I think, uh, I think our, our friend Jordy pointed out some Honda one, which I did not read. And then you got your uh, Capital One. Uh, I think... I think no usernames and passwords, as I told my mother this morning, were released. Just addresses and other things. And I told her, everyone already knows that. Don't worry about it. And uh, and then you also had, uh, well, I guess it's not a, a not a breach, but Equifax had a fine levied on them. Uh, yep. Is the word finally? I don't know. Uh, what, whatever happened to that part in the U.S. of the Constitution that s- said something about swift justice? Or like, I guess swift justice is what happens when you get hanged in a desert. But like something <laughs> there, there, about there was no net ninety. Constitution, yeah, right? isn't there something about like your due, like a trial by jury of your peers, yeah. and some sort of like fast uh, sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, not so much. No, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's in there, but but I 
Uh, yeah, there have been so many breaches. Like when Equifax, uh, so so Equifax has a, a class, class action lawsuit settlement that uh, there have been a couple of articles floating around the web. I, we've got in our show notes. If you go follow the link to you know com or whatever, um, you can get yourself credit credit score uh, tracking, which you know everyone's probably got redundantly Yay. by now, <laughs> or you click next, 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 and you're going to be like, just send me 125 bucks. Mm. And you know, so everyone should do that because apparently they set aside like, you know, oh, yeah, we'll do you know, $700 million because, you know, that's what they told the judge they put aside. <clears throat> Usually nobody comes to claim it. The lawyers get paid, but the people don't get paid. So but there's, but there's a new thing there because it's only $31 million has been earmarked for this payment. And so now people are saying because it's become advertised because so many people yeah, yeah. are doing it. It sounds yeah. like the prediction is, uh, I guess it's the FTC or I don't know, one of the government agencies is, is basically saying they're actually recommending take the credit reporting because they feel like it's going to be a very low payout because so many people are going to claim it. But of mm. course, oh, I, 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 I thought that they, they set aside, they told the judge, yeah, we agreed to do that payment knowing that they wouldn't actually end up paying it. No, so it's no, they did. They they knew it's lawyers. Be, I guess paid. It, it's yeah, yeah. Well, the whole <laughs> lawyers get paid is, on the seven hundred million. Yeah, right? the seven hundred million is there, but only thirty one million. So now it's so it's kind of interesting to see because I think this, I don't. In some ways, it's the first time the public I think has responded in a big way. It's like okay, you know, well, you lost all my data. I'll I'll take the money. Like why not, right? But I think now, um, so it'd be interesting to see if either the settlement is adjusted or going forward, if people get smart to this because this seems like the only real way. You know, I mean, if it's going to happen, it's like, well, why not just get paid for it? Right. And I think and I think the idea that I was thinking about the other thing that in, in one of these judgments, why don't they just say, like, everybody gets credit monitoring for free forever? Like, it's just almost becomes like a de facto oh, yeah. thing as part of doing business. Like all these companies just should just put in the fund. Right. And be like, every time it happens, they put in a certain amount of money so that the entire nation could just get free credit reporting or, uh, forever. Right. <laughs> or they. Yeah. Seeing how that's part of Equifax's business, they could just be like that product line can never die and everyone gets it for free forever. <laughs> right. Well, also, because I think Equifax, in fact, they had to buy credit reporting from their competitor. Right. Because in this case, because it's like, you know, it's, like, it's sort of uh, whatever, like Russian nesting dolls. It's like, well, wait a minute. If you got breached and you monitor the, the crediting, then I got to have someone else check that your credit reports are good so i don't know i think that maybe this is where this just needs to evolve to the point where it's like well anytime there's a breach it's just like you're now part of funding the nation for just free credit hmm. reporting forever. like a super fund yeah yeah i mean why not just because it's like yeah it's it's not going to stop so why doesn't everyone just get free credit reporting forever you know yeah. it's like it seems easy enough i i i have two points one uh, you know, based on my experience with uh, having to buy my own health insurance, I had this epiphany about uh, privatization in in the U.S., which is, uh, you know, our great friends who uh, have caused so many of the problems we now have back home in the U.S. with their strange attitudes and beliefs about reality and uh, their uh, electoral votes and whatnot. But anyways, they have this uh, sort of belief to to straw person them. Uh, that like, you know, if you, if you let government do it, it's going to be terrible and they're going to screw it up. And I would always think like, I used to have to buy my own health insurance and, uh, the private industry can fuck the shit out of that too. Right? Like there's no yeah. guarantee that like they're going to do a good job. And in fact, uh, their incentives are even more to do a worse job to have profit margins. Cause you know, I read that book like about how to get an MBA in 30 minutes instead of going to Wharton. Like I understand how <laughs> business works. Like, 
The goal of business is to do as little as possible for as much as possible, right? You, yep. you, uh, you, uh, not only you, you sell high, uh, and provide low, I think is, uh, is, is what, what you're trying to do. <laughs> oh, oh, that's whereas, terrible. Whereas at least in government, right? Like it's sort of like, you know, sell high, get by, I think maybe is, uh, the way they do it, which, which, Anyways, it's well, the, the, that's not their incentive, right? Their incentive is actually like you know to provide a good right, right. or you know a, a service to you know the people. Exactly. There's and, no and, like you and, know cost effective or you know maximizing stockholder value. It's like do a good job. And and let me let me but be clear. Case, that's let, why I think it, it does. Let me, let me be clear. The the organizations we work for are virtuous and do not follow that method of <laughs> business. Right. And even more importantly, uh, Software Defined Talk LLC, when you give us money, we are not profitable. We far exceed <laughs> in what we deliver, like on the value. It's very high value. Anyways. We're, so, we're here to maximize listener satisfaction. So so it's sort of like, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, on, on the one hand, you could have like Equifax provide this credit checking. and But it is like, it is an odd sort of. That is an interesting notion. They should just sort of do that, which I wonder how much re- – I mean, I wonder if you're talking about like $5 billion or like $50 million like like of, of revenue that they're sacrificing. I guess you have to load the cost in there. But anyways, but then the second point was just to play my usual when it comes to security, like, you know, really dumb Cote is like, I don't know. If someone has my social security number, is that really bad? Like, because I use two-factor authentication, so I'm cool, right? Like, like what, I, like what, I, and, Brent, and it's like, yes, yes, like, it like, is bad. <laughs> like, like what, what I was telling my, so maybe that's bad, but what I was telling my mom is like, well, you have bought and sold many houses, you have a car. So all of your address and your information is publicly accessible, right? Like the amount of information that people know about you already legally is huge. And so like. I don't know. Like, what what else are you gonna get? That that uh, and I, I guess if you know social security number and my dog's name, and then like I I had a uh, I had a uh, uh, someone that had me enter a security question recently, and it was what is your son's middle name and your uh, your your mother's maiden name, which are exactly the same, which was hilarious. Uh, but I don't know. I just, it's just like, so, so what are people going to do with all this, uh, this information? Why, why, why is it bad? Well, I think, you know, I think I would say at this point, you haven't been a victim of like what people would call like really sophisticated identity theft. Right. So mm-hmm. when I think that's the point where somebody just needs a social security number, right. To fill out applications in places that are not necessarily, they're all that, what are they going to do? They're just going to verify it's valid. Right. And they're not going to even notify you. Right. They're just going to say, Oh, oh right, okay. Right, right. Have that. And then, so what happens is that, and this is where it becomes hard is right? behind the scenes. Like you don't even know about this. They provided your social security number, your address and stuff. You never saw it. And then time goes by and then suddenly you're going to start getting mail and it'll start being for, yeah, like, I always forget about the scenario that it's not, it's, it's and not, it's not is, that your existing stuff. I always forget about the scenario. It's not that your existing stuff gets hacked into. It's that people sign you up for new things. Right. And then H- that hence the stealing real, identity versus uh, hacking yeah. into your stuff. And if you've ever talked to someone that's really had it done in a way, someone that's not even necessarily sophisticated, just someone that's been a victim of like lots of credit card applications, lots yeah, of bad loans, yeah. like, it can take years to try to get it uh, off there. And then, of well, course, when they go to, you know, 
file for their own credit, maybe they need credit card, mortgages, whatever, right? Then it, you know, they basically can't do what and they the, want to do. And right? then the, the point of that being that, uh, you know, if you have, if you have the information you would need to fill out an application, then you can do it. Right. <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah. And, and, well, and then that's, that's the reason why it's bad to have all the uh, personal information. But this there. is why I think you could go the other way, or this is why I was saying about the credit report. So like go back to these, the three major credit reporting agencies, like the bulk of their money, right, is kind of come from financial institutions that want to do a quick credit check to see if they should give you a loan or whatever you're trying to do. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, the consumer side of it, I think, I think this is the way to think of it. Like, I think that business is not, is no longer a business. Like, We've seen that like, there's so many breaches that it's just sort of like part of being in the business of providing financial institutions credit scores should just mean that you by default provide all of the people that you have a file on free credit monitoring. So mm. anytime, right? Because <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, have yeah. – because you don't have a choice. Uh, I mean well, you know, people would say like there's some way to stay out of the system, but there really isn't. Like someone has a file on yeah. you. Like you never opted in. Because it's a, it's a, it's a, an overlay to use a vaguely technical term, right? Like it's yeah. it's an additional thing wrapped around it that the thing has no decision in. Yeah, and I think exactly. this whole thing is like as soon as you start interacting in almost any way, the, a file starts to get created on you, and they start to you know, and you didn't even opt into it, right? So it's like as soon as that file. I mean, imagine a world where it's like as soon as a file is opened up on you, they have to tell you, right? They have to say mm. like we have now started collecting credit information on you using these terms right and this is how it is and part of that is you're going to get free credit reporting and we're going to notify you anytime of, well, of of an inquiry right so just think of it like so instead of opt makes out sense. it's opt in right 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 so, so ba- basically basically anytime a new financial instrument was opened in your name you should be notified somehow oh, and, right. and essentially uh, you know uh, hopefully it's better than the uh, the Apple way of doing authentication, which is very confusing and weird. Like like uh, you know, I won't go into that, but there's very strange stuff going. Anyways, uh, yeah, well, well, that makes but, sense. And 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 then it, it, and then so so like so like Brandon, when you worked in the identity world, was everyone basically just trying to like sell billion dollar deals to the credit agency people and be like, you should dramatically change your business around to have to authenticate through our system every time something happens. Yeah. Well, certainly everybody, I mean, they were obviously a great client to have for access management and identity management. Cause you know, the thought being that, Hey, if these are the companies that are relying on your products to do it, that they're the most secure, they have the most uh, uh, data now. But of course now we've seen multiple times that they're, not necessarily any more likely not to be breached. And then financial institutions, the other one, right? We saw again this week, you know, major bank getting hacked into. So I think it's, I don't know, I, I just think there's always a lot of people selling tools and products, and I've been part of that that world, right? But there's not very many people that are like really trying to approach the whole thing, the whole, like how do we make it more secure? So if we can't make it more secure, let's just think of this idea of like, hey, I'm just like going to automatically, as soon as I get a file on you, I'm going to tell you about it, and I'm just going to give you free monitoring for it, right? Because that's my business and that's how it needs to work going forward. Right. And then, I mean, and then at least you're going to see everything. And it's almost even saying like, we're not even going to promise that like there won't be a breach, but you're going to see it because just by default, right. Cause this whole idea that like you have to go sign up for credit monitoring after they get breached. Like, no, like I didn't necessarily want to be even be in there. Like I'm not using yeah, your services they, at they, all. They, so they you need, need to out. tell me. Right. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. other way around. Well, it's almost they, they kind of stumbled into this business model of having this massive amount of data and all these people who didn't ask to be part of that data set. And so now they're kind of like, check it out. We know everything about you since you've been an adult. 
you know, don't want to creep you out, but we've we've added the ability for you to be notified when somebody else wants that. And you're probably like, wait, you've got all my data? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. not even worried about the access. You're like, wait, I didn't even tell you you could do that. So, so it's definitely in their best interest. Well, from an outsider who has you know my data in their system, it's like, I would probably like it if they provided me, you know, this this monitoring. But they probably also don't want to like freak me out. Mm. Uh, but it seems like it would help with the quality of their data, right? Mm. They're going to yeah. protect. This, this the, is kind, the this kind of like made. a the Facebook problem, right? Is like you're yeah. uh, you get you get all this stuff for free, and even though you clicked on some stuff, you actually didn't agree to like your your I, I don't like the phrase your data, but you didn't agree to participate in this this world right, that you don't like. Right. And, and so maybe maybe to like in cap this off before we get to the old uh, recommendations. Like so, one the pro the reason it's a problem is not because they're gonna uh, log in and like read my Gmail or like send a check from my bank account by hacking into it. that's a whole other set of problems that that I might have. But the real problem is that basically someone could like open a credit card in my name or whatever and spend on that credit card. And then uh, only after several years of, of battling and faxing things will people realize I didn't actually open that. So therefore I'm not liable for it, which is, which reminds me, we went and renewed my daughter's passport uh, here recently. And uh, both parents have to go in because, yep. because check this out. This is going to sound quaint and adorable. You have to take an oath. Basically, there, there's, you go up there and you have a document and some very nice gentleman who's wearing a suit and tie, he says, do both of you swear whatever? And you're like, yes, that's why we're fucking here. Right. Like as, as, as if, as if we're going to be like, was in the oath. yeah, as, as if to be like, no, I don't swear that. I mean, like, what the right, fuck? Right, like, right. like it's like, I think, I think there's two things that are like to the point of like losing your identity that are, um, I don't know what you would call it in a security context. Not useful, I think, is the uh, colloquialism for it is a signature and like taking an oath. So it's sort of like the idea that like uh, just because there's there's my signature on some document means I'm actually like uh, culpable for, you know, ten thousand dollars is like absurd. Right. Like but and yet and yet that is the reality of the world. Uh, And and so it's strange. I was on a call with a, a government agency yesterday and, and, you know, I was dealing with some business and I was like, oh, my wife needs to do this too. Can I give you her name and address? And they were like, no, she'll have to call us separately. I was like, can I hand the phone to her and she can give you that information? And they're like, sure. And I was like, oh yeah, we do that. All okay. Time, so. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, and you know, 30 seconds later, they were like, uh, what if I just like changed my voice and spoke in a high voice? And- <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> But, well, Kirsten, yeah, where, but where were you? Did, did you go to the U.S. consulate to renew the passport? Yeah, like, yeah, what did you yeah. have to do? I, I, okay. I don't know the difference between a consulate and an embassy. Uh, so I, I always call it a consulate. And, and I got I got in a little bit of like, you know, Cote doesn't know what he's talking about situation where I was like, I was talking with someone and I was like, The Hague, or as they say, Den Haag. Like, that's the capital of the Netherlands, right? And they were like, no, 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 Amsterdam's the capital. And I had this very nuanced discussion where it was like the executive offices, as we would call it as of Americans, are in Amsterdam. But like Parliament is in The Hague, which is just yeah. like, you know, you can't, people can't see this visual, but I was like, Poof. I was like, what? <laughs> all right, here you go. Oh, okay. But, but <laughs> of course. 
Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Embassy is in the is in the country's capital, uh-huh. um, and uh, uh, the other one is somewhere else, right? So, like, no, that, exactly. Sydney, that's that's Sydney, what I Sydney's not the capital of Australia, so the oh, American consulate oh. is here. That's the that's just an office, basically. That's yeah. what I was yeah. saying. Is yeah. like because it's the consulate in Amsterdam. This can't be the capital. And then this person was telling me how the government is like split up and that Amsterdam, I think maybe is the capital, but it's well, like over there. For other or... countries, yeah, to, to I, other countries I it's the capital because they're not dealing with the state. Yeah, agency. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, well, yes, Brandon, I was, say, no, I was we, at the consulate. I was going to say, well, we should just leave it on this because, uh, you know, if there's anybody that's in need of some digital transformation, I'm just going to say passport Oof. applications and renewals. We, we can help. There are people we know that can help. If anyone would like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Start that digital transformation project. Oh. I think it's well overdue. I think uh, it just it, the kid thing. We won't go into it. I think you've already belabored it. It is it is mind numbingly yeah. uh, frustrating. They've got so, a great form uh, you can fill out online. Has a PDF for you to print out. But to to your point, Brandon, and then we'll get on to the recommendations. When I was renewing my passport, or I wouldn't have to renew it. It was filled up because the Dutch love to stop, stamp your passport when you go to London. The 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 English they don't care. But for some reason, like even though I'm a resident, I have to get a stamp going in and out. So that filled up my passport because I go to London all the time because uh, I love the food there. Uh, anyways, uh, so I had to get a new passport and I got it renewed and I was picking it up. And the, the uh, lady at the consulate said, well, I guess we'll see you in 10 years. And then she stopped and she said, well, hopefully not, because by then we'll have done, you know, a digital version of oh. this. <laughs> Let's hope so. Make it happen. Make it happen, yeah. Dutch person. I want her to... Yeah, and it's it's so crazy. Like, on the anyways, we don't need to go into it, but yeah, the whole passport process is is it really needs some digital transformation. I just in my mind, I, I just have I, the whole as is de- design thinking session where people like you get everyone in a room, like all right, well, how does it work today? Yeah. Well, you have to bring everybody in. Okay, well, I think that's that's a place we could start. Yeah. That's a place where not everyone needs to show up. Well, well it's may, just maybe not, uh, maybe to process. make to make the ultimate like snarky thing, like uh, as the Americans will will understand it. I say this as if we have a huge amount of non-American listeners. I don't remember the pie chart, uh, but but like you know who the State Department, or I think it's Department of State. I think that's how they like to say it: Department of yes. State, not State Department. They they could learn some lessons from the IRS because I don't know oh, if you if you filed amen. your taxes recently, but basically. Yes. Filing your taxes with the IRS now is scary easy. <laughs> like, yes. It's pretty fantastic. Transfer some people from the IRS to the State Department. Get it done. Yeah. Someone someone get on that. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, do we have any feedback from listeners, Brandon, other than the swamp comments and the fascists? <laughs> the only thing I was going to plug is because uh, I just thought it was interesting. Our friend Justin Garrison, he works over at Disney. And, uh, of course, uh, there's going to be a big CNCF conference in uh, San Diego soon. But – he is offering uh, Cubeland. I guess they, somehow if you sign up, he will hook you up with some, uh, I think it's free tickets to Disneyland. So essentially, go to CNCF. Um, I would never do this, but maybe other people would. Like, Get your family there, let them stay in a corporate paid hotel, and then get a free uh, passes into uh, Disneyland. And then mm. you'll have, have fun. So, nice. uh, so you can check it out. Cubeland 2019. Links in the show uh, show notes. And uh, you know, Justin's always been a long time listener and always good uh, good feedback from him so check that out you know i i went i once pissed off the organizers of uh <laughs> of of devox belgium because i uh i had i had them pay for for my family's hotel while they were visiting there when i was speaking there 
too too bad for them. Also, uh, well, there's a few uh, events to go over. I'm I, at the end of this month on August 30th. I'm going to be up in Glasgow. I should probably learn how to pronounce that up there in uh, Scotland. And I'm going to be giving my uh, my presentation about uh, how Kidnapped has been an important novel uh, for me in my life. It was given to me uh, kind of with a frayed cover by my grandfather. And it was only in the past three years that I've actually read and appreciated it. It's, it's, it's a great novel. It's actually not anything at all that I'm going to do. Maybe I'll talk about it. But I'm going to be at Agile Scotland, and I'm going to have a 90-minute session kind of going over my book. And um, normally to go to that, it's uh, on August 30th in Glasgow, uh, it would cost you 70 pounds, pounds sterling. Uh, but if you apply the code, which you should just go to the show notes to see, because it is as hyphen speaker hyphen Michael. How's that for a discount code? That's one of the best ones. A, I hope, I hope AS stands for something as opposed to like someone's impersonating me and stealing my identity. Uh, but instead <laughs> of paying 70 pounds sterling, you can pay 56 pounds sterling and, uh, 13 pence. Or is that a guinea? What, a cents? What's at the end there? I don't know. <laughs> now, now, if it's 56 stones, does that make it gravel? Is that 56 uh, stones and 13 gravels? That, that Celsius, the, the you no, know, that chart imperial versus You know, chart, can, I, yeah. can I just comment on that chart? You know what they don't tell you about? Centiliters and decaliters. What the fuck are those? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Lack of response oh, proves my point. Uh, <laughs> Also, Spring One Platform, uh, our big conference, which uh, I'm very involved in several of the tracks and some other things, is coming up on October 7th and 10th in uh, in Austin. I think on my previous podcast over at Pivotal Conversations, I said, uh, if you come to there, I will, uh, I'll, I'll spend some time with you, perhaps in a group going over my taco eating strategies and how to Ooh. ensure you uh, you enjoy them. And if you register before August 20th, you get $200 off the registration. And just finally... Uh, there is an EMEA party, you know, that is Europe, Middle East, and Asia. Uh, I think it's, uh, maybe on Wednesday or Thursday, but there's a link to, uh, register for it if you're, uh, from EMEA. If you're from Oceania, can't come. Not gonna oh. let you into the door. If you're from the U.S., nope, not gonna happen. Gotta be in EMEA. <laughs> so, uh, I think we're gonna have it at the Fairmont that opened there. Uh, but you sh- y'all should come check that out and come to the conference. Are there any other, uh, conferences y'all wanna go over? Uh, I saw the the uh, our, the call for call for talks for Kube, uh, Kubernetes um, conference Sydney and Seoul uh, just came out mm. and uh, uh, hopefully uh, you know um, Chris A friend of the show will will be there because um, it's a CNCF event so uh, maybe I'll try to find a way to get to the Sydney one I got to find something mm. hot with the Kubernetes that people actually want to hear about but. Uh, yeah, that's that's coming up. I think I'm going to be at Cloud Expo Asia um, over in Singapore uh, at the lovely uh, Marina Bay Sands Convention Center mm. with uh, thirty thousand of my friends. So <laughs> that's that's on the horizon for me. That is a good looking place. There. I love hey, that Singapore. Just, Get chili crab. Just some real time oh, so follow up. One, I forgot. I, I got it back. Kubernetes. Not guaranteed a free ticket, but you can request a free ticket on that on the uh, the park there. So oh. make sure I clarify that. Wait, but I, I think my family all the way. I know. I know. I just <laughs> I want to make sure I get in front of that before I did it. And then two, the most important conference. Uh, uh, Matt Ray has not officially accepted yet, but I've heard he's going to be giving a keynote at the Emacs uh, virtual <laughs> conference coming up uh, very shortly. You know, so uh, you know, the, if the you want is- Matt. 
compared to Keenan and I, I think, I think he could do a full hour on just, and just using Emacs right yep. as the presentation. That would be the killer moment. So I'm looking forward to that myself. So I looked at the previous year's agendas, and I was like, I could do a, a talk on one of these things. I, you know, I mean, I, and I'm not like, you know, I, I like myself some Emacs, but I was like looking, I was like, I actually have a good idea for a talk. <laughs> I mean, that uh, this is your but, chance. You, 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 and our friend, uh, our friend Charles Lowell. I bet you could do a killer co-talk on something. He, he wow. is. I think, I think he, he helps spearhead the Emacs users group in Austin. He's, uh, he's a big I'm on Emacs the mailing guy. list. And if, <laughs> and if he's using, if he's been using Emacs, uh, starting back when I started using it in '96, he, he might be the, the, uh, the person, the only person alive who's used Emacs that long. Who who uh, is still alive? I'm not sure. <laughs> That's not true. I would have that to go do that. That is not true. Well, yeah. There's well, there's, well, there's probably the, 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 the couple a couple of people who like tell you that why DevOps is bullshit and they've been doing it. There, you know, he's, for he's probably years. sitting around the median age. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right, all right. It sounded funny in my head. Uh, well, as always, you should uh, you should join the Slack channel. That's all I really got for you. Go to softwaredefinedtalk.com/slack. And if you want to get some wonderful stickers, uh, you can email your address. That part's key if you want us to mail you stickers uh, to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And we have stuff in Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn. You should check all that stuff out. But now it's time for my favorite part, to find out what movies and podcasts people have listened to on airplanes or uh, watched on lawn mowing. I think I got that mixed up. Anyways, Brandon... What do you have to recommend this week? Is it another true crime thing? Sort of. Uh, the show Cops, of course. Everyone maybe remembers that. That's It's been out for an incredibly long time. So this is a podcast called Running from Cops, which is a quick six episode. Uh, takes a look at the entire series when it came out. It's actually been out longer than The Simpsons, which shocked me. And uh, it was, took, I don't know, I haven't watched Cops in a long time, but I remember in high school I did watch it and I, you know, I thought it was good. Or, uh, but I never given it much like oh uh, how cops are portrayed and sort of like i don't know just the broad messaging that uh it if you will inadvertently or uh kind of like slow slowly kind of shapes your view of how cops interact so i thought mm. it was really insightful i hadn't given this topic any thought so when i kind of went into it i was like oh that's right that is interesting so if you're interested if you ever watch cops if you ever uh, want to get behind the scenes of what it uh what's happening there i highly recommend it i think you'll walk away with a new perspective hmm how about yourself, Matt Ray? Well, uh, you know, all the talk we, we, we've given this episode to uh, fraud and uh, identity theft. Um, I, you know, I subscribe to uh, the A16Z podcast, and I don't listen to every episode, you know, sorry. Uh, but they had one that I was like, oh, this sounds boring. I'll probably turn it off in like two minutes on <laughs> synthetic fraud. And I was like, what is synthetic fraud? And I started listening, and I was like, my mind was a little bit blown because it, it definitely ties into the stuff that uh, we talked about this episode where, you know, we're, we're talking about identity theft and all this stuff. Well, apparently uh, people have figured out how all this identity management stuff works and how credit bureaus score people. And it, rather than like stealing people's IDs, they make up people and push them into the system and let them sit for years and pull like bump up their credit ratings to the point where they can pull, you know, 20, 30, you know, $100,000 uh. worth of credit and then make the big exit. 
And the, the credit bureaus, you know, they're not wise to these people. And they're like, we don't know how big this problem is because nobody will admit to it. Um, and so it's kind of, well, I, I guess I spoiled some of the podcast, but it's actually like, you know, very interesting to, to hear like, well, at least I don't have to worry about having myself stolen because, you know, you know, Matt Ray, one, two, three, and, you know, four, five, six, they're going to be the, the big, the big games for the, you know, because they're not going to complain. That's amazing. <laughs> that's like some never yeah, winner yeah. type of shit. That's all. Exactly, that's great. Exactly. Huh. It's like, you know, some great dismal stuff. So yeah. I, th- I thought you were going to say th- those that's used for sort of like, uh, uh, wh- you, you, you call a nice hacker a researcher, as I recall. Like that, that was some <laughs> tool that like a researcher uses for, uh, testing out the validity of things but that's that's an interesting hmm. all right well like i i have i have let's call it two and a half recommendations uh two that are related one that i i guess you could say is related but i discovered uh this new new uh beer over here now everyone knows uh grolsch you know the yep. the green bottle that's got like the complicated mechanical top on on the bottle very my mm-hmm. grandfather he he drank uh mickey hand grenades and every now and then he had a girl so he had an affinity for green glass i guess uh but <laughs> i found Michelob? that's right yeah <laughs> no no Michelob. i'm sure he'd drink a Michelob if he gave it to him but he used to drink uh hand mixed martinis out of a little plastic cup he'd hollowed out he had one of those old tv cases <laughs> that that was like in wood with doors that you would open up and he took he took the tv out of it and he just had the case and that was his liquor cabinet which was uh you know, oddly enough, I never actually really like drank from it, but it was, it was fascinating to me, this, uh, this cabinet. Yeah. Anyways. Nice uh, but I found, uh, they have this thing. It's called, uh, the Grolsch Blonde. It comes in a brown bottle and it, it, uh, it's kind of like a Belgian style blonde. So it's, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. It's tasty. I, as, uh, I've been having one while we've been sitting here, but the bottles are, uh, the bottles are lovely. The beer is good. Now, my other recommendation, I, uh, over the weekend, I read this, uh, I wouldn't say it's new, but it's relatively new. There's a new book about uh, Hunter Thompson, you know, one of my uh, favorite authors, called Freak Kingdom. And the premise of Freak Kingdom is uh, there was this period of where Hunter Thompson was writing from maybe, let's say, 1964 right up to uh, at what everyone knows him for, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And he actually, like... Before and he wrote another book. His first book was about the Hell's Angels, and it's basically about the period more or less before Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and kind of like it has a little bit of his life, but it's mostly about what he wrote about and kind of the process of doing that. And uh, it's usually like a part of uh, his uh, his life that, unless you like read all of his letters and stuff, you don't really uh, hear much about. And it was a surprisingly good book. I read most all of the like biographies and stuff of him, and most of them are. are um, not good uh but but this one was fine now this person my my half recommendation he also mentioned uh that when there's a movie called like gonzo or something which i started watching that and it's an example of uh not too good um but uh in making this other movie they found uh they had all the access to all these tapes uh that he used to dictate to and they reduced about five hour down to five hours of these tapes, and they published them as, of course, the Gonzo tapes, which you can buy for $38 on Amazon, or you can use the link I've provided to go to YouTube where they have them. And they really, uh, they really just, he starts off with him talking with, uh, with the, the Hells Angels guy. And then there's a bunch of stuff from, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, some of which has just been taken verbatim with, uh, his doctor there. It's actually oddly calming to listen to. 
uh, if if you're uh, into that kind of thing. So uh, you should check those out. Get yourself a Grolsch Blonde and uh, listen to uh, Oscar Acosta and Hunter Thompson trying to find the American dream in Nevada and asking the taco waitress uh, where it might be. <laughs> and, th- and I'll just add one more anecdote. That Gonzo movie, despite it not being great, there's one, uh, the, the thing I keep remembering is they, they of course have, you say Yan winner, Jan winner, whatever, the Rolling Stones guy, a rolling, not rolling, rolling, whatever. What's the magazine? Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone with no S. I said Rolling Stones. Yeah. Very, very confusing. And he says, uh, he says, yeah, I was always battling with Hunter about expense accounts. So he was going out there and he's like, you know, I got to have a white Cadillac. You got to pay for the white Cadillac. And I was like, I'm not going to pay for a white Cadillac. And he was like, God damn it, Yan. I'm not going to go find the American dream in a fucking Volkswagen. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then he, he stopped, you know, he's much older and he stops and he's like, yeah. And, and, and he was right. And, uh, anyways, <laughs> so don't take a Volkswagen to find the American dream. Get okay. a white, white convertible Cadillac. Yeah. So with that, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. You can find the show notes for this episode. Uh, look, it's a round number. SoftwareDefinedTalk.com slash 190. Uh, in about 10 more weeks, probably 12 to 13, we'll be up to 200. That'll be fun. What will we do to celebrate? Probably nothing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you should come join our Slack channel and uh, check things out. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. It didn't make sense that I'd be there. I mean, these guys were hardcore hijackers. But there I was. At that point, I wasn't scared. I knew I hadn't done anything they could do me for. Besides, it was fun. I got to make like I was notorious. All right, you all know the drill. When your number is called, step forward and repeat the phrase you've been given. Understand? Number one, step forward. Hand me the keys, you fucking cocksucker. Number two, step forward. Give me the fucking keys, you fucking cocksucker, motherfucker! Knock it off, get back. Number three, step forward. (laughs) Hand me the keys, you cocksucker. In English, please. Excuse me. In English. I mean the fucking keys. You got like a what the fuck? <laughs> Number four, step forward. It was bullshit. The whole rap was a setup. Hand me the keys, you fucking cocksucker. It was all the cops' fault. You don't put guys like that into a room together. Who knows what can happen? Hand me the keys, you fucking cocksucker. This has really got to be embarrassing for you guys, huh?